Hello everyone, and welcome back to From the Front Row. If you've listened to our past few episodes, you'll know that keeping communities healthy involves more than only focusing on the people in those communities. We also need to consider a lot of external factors that ultimately influence people's health. In celebration of the 7th annual One Health Day, which is the day this episode airs, we're going to discuss one framework that helps us think about human health in a broader context. If you're new here, welcome. I'm Anya Morozov, and I'm joined today by Mariana Koda and Sarah King, members of the University of Iowa's One Health student group. We're going to chat about what One Health is, how to use the One Health approach in public health work, and if you're here at the University of Iowa, how to get involved in the One Health student group. Welcome to the show, Mariana and Sarah. Awesome. Thank you, Anya, for having us. Yeah, thanks. So before we get into the topic at hand, can you just tell me a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, so my name is Mariana, and I'm actually the president of the One Health student group, and I am a graduate student, and I am pursuing my MPH, and I'm in the Department of Community and Behavioral Health, so I'm super excited to be here with Sarah. Yeah, so I'm Sarah. I am the vice president of the One Health student group. I am a third-year undergraduate majoring in biomedical sciences on the pre-med track, and I'm also working towards a sustainability certificate, and I'm also very excited to be here. That's great. So we've got both undergrad and grad representation and um, somebody doing like more community-based work, somebody who wants to go into biomedical, which kind of seems to be a theme in One Health. So in your own words, can um, one or both of you talk about what exactly One Health is? Yeah, so One Health is kind of the concept that it recognizes the ways in which the health of people are inextricably connected with the health of animals and the environment. And so the goal of One Health is to promote education and interdisciplinary collaboration to solve global health issues associated with those concepts, people, animals, and the environment. For me, I... I identify as Indigenous, and so One Health is very much close to my heart. And so my my conception of One Health definitely aligns with that relationality between humans, the Earth, and all of its species. And so for me, it really is just emphasizing and uplifting Indigenous knowledge as well as part of One Health, and just bringing honor and value to that. So how did you each become interested in One Health then? So I learned about the One Health concept through an elective class that I took my freshman year of undergrad, where the class was Finding Patient Zero. It's a class that provides a really good introduction to infectious disease transmission and some of the ways we can respond to pandemic threats, one of them being the One Health approach. So I got an introduction into what it was and um, kind of the history of how it got started. And I thought that this concept combined things that were extremely important for solving health problems, which is something that I'm interested in for my future career. And it just kind of combined a lot of my passions, which are related to humans, animals, and the environment. So I thought that it was a great concept and getting involved in a student org related to that concept was really exciting to me. I could definitely echo Sarah and all of those sentiments. Um, I think for me, One Health has always been kind of embedded throughout my life and my educational experiences. I would say I've had an eclectic range of experiences. I've been a wildlife rehab intern and I'm now currently working in food systems. So really just seeing the integration of human health with animal health and, you know, planetary health too. I think it's very exciting just to see 
those connections and how we can build a more sustainable world. But yeah, I think One Health definitely brings together so many people. Yeah, you're right. It does. I mean, like in, in doing a little bit of reading about One Health before this, like, yeah, you have all these stakeholders and veterinary medicine and people medicine <laughs> um, and then people in agriculture, of course, valuing the indigenous perspectives as well. You need to have a lot of stakeholders at the table to do One Health work. So one thing I'm also curious about, Mariana, did you did you start the club? The One Health Student Group? So I was part of the initial leadership group that did start the club. So we did begin this during the pandemic era. So a lot of our work has been primarily online type of events. And so now that we're in person now and able to do more events, we're really excited to expand and get more members. But yeah, it was really fun to be able to connect during the pandemic with people who were interested in this topic that was very salient at the time in terms of COVID and it being a zoonotic disease and just learning about the pathways of how it came to be in our populations now globally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I've seen, um, there was like one time where you guys got like posters all around the, the entrance area for the college and I thought that was really cool. So we talked a little bit about stakeholders already, and I think I listed off a few stakeholders, but who are some stakeholders that you both think should be at the table when taking a One Health approach? So for me, I truly believe that everyone has a responsibility to be at the table when it comes to One Health approaches. And so like that can include a range of individuals from those in advocacy groups and community organizations, nonprofits, obviously public health practitioners, agricultural workers, educators, anthropologists, policymakers, especially veterinarians, wildlife conservationists, doctors, nurses, <laughs> last responders, first responders, engineers, and city planners. It really is an all encompassing approach that can be utilized in all disciplines, especially because our systems are very much interconnected. And I think we tend to silence things and in one health is really about breaking down those silos those in, invisible kind of arbitrary distinctions between things so I think it's like also important to note that like depending on what issue you're looking at a one health approach really requires honing in to the context and like which stakeholders actually hold power and assets to be leveraged to tackle the issue at hand so like yes everybody should be involved but we need to also be very cognizant of like how we can collaborate because everybody brings something different and just finding those points of like coordination it's really integral and part of like the one health approach yeah and i like how you brought up like power and and kind of the 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 stakeholders who have like leverage in decision making might not always be the ones who get the information from all the people who should be at the table so kind of trying as you mentioned trying to like break down those silos and make sure that first of all the decision makers are more representative of all of the people who like are affected by those decisions and then also making sure that the decision makers have the information from the stakeholders i guess is is concept <laughs> that might be helpful i'm just thinking cuz last the episode that's actually being released as we're recording was with Dr. Christina Polyakovsky who has talked about an app that they have a concept for to kind of get I'm not going to explain it as well as her. The app is supposed to be in the hands of refugees so that they can like take pictures of their built environment and then those can get communicated to people like urban planners, 
boards of supervisors and things who are actually making those decisions. That sounds really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely some fun public health approaches. Like that definitely reminds me of like photo voice and like letting individuals share their actual lived experiences and getting that information to decision makers because those hold a lot of power. They hold a lot of narratives. So I really, that's super cool and definitely something that can be done with a One Health approach. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. So Uh, Besides who should be at the table, are there any other important concepts to consider when implementing a One Health approach in public health work? Yeah, I would say as we kind of touched on, One Health is largely a systems-based approach, so that offers a lot of flexibility in its implementation. I think including the stakeholders that we mentioned is of course extremely important, as well as just improving awareness and education about the One Health approach, and that kind of serves as a great first step or a great starting off point. Additionally, I feel like A lot of the times when One Health is talked about, it's often in a global context, whereas I think sometimes it's important to talk about One Health locally and finding ways in which these approaches can be implemented for smaller scale issues is really important. So adding on to what Sarah already mentioned, I think another set of important concepts to think about with the One Health approach is equity and sustainability. And those come into play because we're looking at creating these kind of larger system level changes and it's important to acknowledge many of the marginalized and often unseen populations that are impacted most directly by these these type of issues and we're talking about our agricultural workers who faced a lot of concerns particularly in terms of like exposure to carcinogens and other harmful substances to the body in terms of like just their occupational job and and then how that reverberates throughout the food system too when it comes down to food safety. So yeah, I think it's just really important to think about those who are often unseen, our unsung heroes in different levels of our systems. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so true. So I'm getting like kind of thinking about One Health, not only is this big picture idea that like, oh, somebody out there is using this approach to tackle global problems, but also thinking like, how can we implement this in our daily work here in our own communities? And then as you mentioned, thinking about equity and sustainability. So equity, again, making sure we're thinking about the most marginalized people in the community who are often the ones who are the most affected by environmental impacts and then also sustainability. Yeah, a lot of times, especially in public health, I think like grant funding is a thing. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) sometimes you have projects that are really, really great and are grant funded, but then what do you do when the funding runs out? And like, how can we design funding that's more, more sustainable for initiatives that take this really important approach? Yeah, for sure. And there's this one concept that I recently was reading about is about kind of thinking forward in terms of like the long path. Like we know a lot of these issues that we're talking about now aren't going to be solved in the next day. So just kind of being optimistic and realistic about the changes that can occur, but knowing that this is all this work is not being done in vain. And I think that's really important for a lot of us in public health and a lot of and a lot of our issues around like social justice, environmental justice, and human rights, just like recognizing the work that is being done is intricately important to our progression and addressing and uplifting so many concerns in this world. Yeah, that's so true. Like like our work today is not in vain, even if it seems like it's only like a small drop in a really large 
pool or something, like it's still a drop that wouldn't be there otherwise. So we've talked about kind of like broad concepts to consider when, when thinking about public health. Now let's think a little bit more practically. What are some examples of the One Health approach in action? I guess I could go off of the other example that I started to kind of talk about in terms of our food system. During undergrad, I was actually a biology major, so I was very much interested in like ecosystem health. And one thing that's really intricately important is soil health. And people forget that it is a living living thing. Soil has so much biological activity, but currently our agricultural practices is not conducive to the health of the soil. And so there's a lot of move towards different agricultural practices, and that also has like a huge impact on agricultural workers, especially in when you think about industrialized agriculture, as I mentioned, the exposure to carcinogens, but then also just the operations of food, um, food operations and how our food system relies on mass production and so how that translates to what foods are getting out to people and also the affordability of foods and how that trickles down to individual health and our diets. And so it you can take a lot of these different systems and see a lot of points of where a One Health approach becomes very important because soil health also really impacts the nutrient content of the food that we're having. So if our current agricultural practices are not addressing that, we're consuming foods and produces that are not as nutritionally dense as they used to be. And so I think that's also really important to kind of think about things that you may not even realize. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah, the soil health is, is a good point. Somebody might have that as something that doesn't really have a big impact, but you kind of showed how it has this like chain reaction that does end up having a big impact, even though at like the point in time where decisions about soil health are happening, people might not think of that as like a decision that's going to have those ripple effects. Mm -hmm. And then I think from like an economic point too, taking care of the soil health really allows for more sustainable food production that also like mitigates disease. Because I think that's also an important thing to think about too, that like, like you said, like the soil health is, can be an afterthought, but when you really think about it, it does have those ripple effects on the, the plants, but also on us at the end of the, I guess, the system cycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sarah, anything to add? Yeah, I guess to expand on the idea of, of food systems and their connection to health, there's also, as we kind of touched on, the, the connection to food safety and foodborne illness, and that's a really huge One Health concept, the idea that food is a really important vehicle for zoonotic disease where it can food can be transmitted, or foodborne illness can be transmitted to livestock and also to people. It's kind of interesting to think about how the globalization of the food system mm -hmm. has definitely increased the risks of outbreaks and the spread of things like new antibiotic resistance genes. And like, there's a wide variety of topics related to One Health that I think are important to talk about in terms of food systems. So that's another example of how the One Health approach can be considered in something as integral to our survival as food. There are also some, I guess, more environmental justice type concepts that I think are really relevant to the One Health idea. For example, we had a meeting during the spring that was kind of talking about a, a podcast episode that we listened to where um, 
we talked about tree cover in urban areas and how this this is definitely an environmental justice concept because we talked about how inequality, especially income inequality, results in certain populations of people who are disproportionately affected by climate risk. And so this particular concept is talking about how in low-income urban areas there's less tree cover which results in higher average temperatures which results in things like increased risk of heat stroke or increased exposure to air pollution because there's not trees sequestering those emissions and how exposure to air pollution and vehicle exhaust can result in things like asthma and it's just like you know it's a very complex thing and it was really interesting talking about that in our club meeting and kind of just considering that one health isn't just something to think about for you know global pandemics or for huge agricultural systems but also just your neighborhoods and your exposure to your natural environment yeah, I think that's really important because like along with that, when we were discussing that podcast, we also touched on like the social and mental health effects that occur because of trees being in neighborhoods and how like having outdoor spaces allows people to come into community and experience those benefits of nature because there's a whole literature on that as well. And that's something that the One Health approach definitely is just the role that nature can play in our health and obviously the health of the ecosystem. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like that you brought up mental health as well, because I think that is something that often gets overlooked, but like we also find when we overlook it in our own lives, <laughs> it usually doesn't go very well. So so that's important to consider. And it sounds like that entire meeting where you talked about that podcast was just an exercise in like systems thinking, which, as you mentioned, is a really big part of One Health as well. So that's really great that you're doing that. And I guess just in general, I'm really glad that there are folks at the college who are really kind of trying to look at public health issues from this lens through your student group. So can you tell us a little bit more about the One Health student group here at the University of Iowa? Yeah, so this club started back in the spring of 2020, and the goal of our, our club was really just to connect students, faculty, and staff of various backgrounds who are passionate about One Health. And so as we kind of shown, we're both graduate and undergraduate, so we're open to all students of any level and all disciplines, because as we mentioned, it very much is a very inclusive approach that wants that coordination and collaboration to occur. So um, anyone can join at any point of the year, and our meetings typically consist of things that are related to One Health, so we do a lot of podcast listening, journal article discussions, we bring in some guest lecturers from various like research and professional backgrounds, and then we also try to do some fun social events like One Health movie nights and sustainable craft nights. And I guess Sarah can talk about some of our previous events. Yeah, one event that we're really proud of is last year we were able to collaborate with the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History to put up the outbreak exhibit, which is actually what you might have seen in the public health building. So this is a pop-up DIY exhibit. So the, the official title of the, the project is Outbreak, Epidemics in a Connected World, which covers a lot of fundamental One Health concepts and the posters kind of go through interactive activities as well as just information about One Health and about the spread of disease. So in the spring of 2020, we had the opportunity to speak to two curators from the Smithsonian Museum, Dr. Sabrina Schultz and Dr. Daniel Lucy, who gave a lecture about the creation of this exhibit as well as their careers with the Smithsonian. And so it was a really amazing opportunity opportunity to talk to them and hear about 
the ways that they implemented One Health and the ways that they drafted this education initiative. So as I mentioned, we displayed this in the College of Public Health building and we also displayed it briefly in the Iowa City Public Library. And we also have plans to continue working with this exhibit and bringing it to other places in the community because it's a really great resource for One Health education. So that was a really exciting thing that we got to do. That's awesome. I love that you also brought it to the Iowa City Public Library as well. It's good to like, like get that knowledge out to the community. Yeah, and we're actually looking forward to further collaboration with them this upcoming January for One Health Month. And yeah, so tune in and hear out for those activities. <laughs> I'll be excited to hear, yeah. So, and, and it sounds like it might also be a good like opportunity for leadership. I think you both have probably experienced that to some extent. Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. It's been great being able to be in conversation with individuals who are thinking about this, this, this concept and, and want to bring awareness to it. So really trying to develop those like partnerships with those in the community who may benefit from learning about One Health and just, yeah, trying to uplift the concept as students and sharing our passions is something that we really enjoy and hope others can enjoy with us. <laughs> Something that I really like as well as an undergraduate is that this club gives me the opportunity to talk to people from different disciplines. Um, <laughs> as a science major especially, I kind of feel like I live in this bubble where I see the same people and we often have the same interests. And so uh, having this club that I'm involved in is really awesome because we have English majors and we have you know, graduate students and business majors, and there's a wide variety of people who are passionate about this, and it's fun having conversations with them, especially because it's, I guess, kind of almost a breath of fresh air because it is such a integrated and like diverse concept. That's awesome. So before we get into our last questions here, is there anything you're looking forward to for the One Health student group? Yeah, so I think I already mentioned our future collaborations with the Iowa City Public Library again. We're really hoping to provide opportunities also for volunteer service hours for our members and currently looking at some partnerships with Grow Johnson County in their efforts to address food insecurity in our community here. So I'm getting people out on the earth, working with their hands and getting food into the hands of people who need it. So, yeah. I think another thing that we are really looking forward to is increasing education opportunities, ways for our members to get out into the community and talk about why they're passionate about One Health. And so we have some ideas for, say, like K through 12 education initiatives that we might be pursuing. And we also have a lot of information on our Instagram. So you should look <laughs> at our Instagram, at UI One Health. Okay, we'll put the Instagram in the podcast description. <laughs> Uh, I guess I think another thing that we can mention is that we're also looking forward for new members and potentially new leadership because we're actually in a transition right now and we're kind of operating as a smaller executive board right now and would love for individuals who are interested in the leadership position and exploring the One Health topic more to contact us and yeah just get involved we, we'd love to have you <laughs> yeah it seems like there's there's already a good foundation built up in this club to do some really awesome things going forward so hopefully you can get some more exec members because I like just hearing about it it sounds like you do a lot of really really awesome work I'm I'm excited too about the 
potential for like K through 12 education about this concept because like yeah you know like we're all undergrad and master's level and like even with things like public health too I didn't know public health was a thing until college probably so it, it's good to get the word out about about all of the amazing things that up-and-coming students can do yeah <laughs> anything else to say about one health before we go to our final question yeah i think i wanted to touch back on the idea of mental health and one health because i think one thing that also kind of gets um i mean maybe not not necessarily not as recognized but the role of like service animals and the connection between humans and animals and that how that bond also translates to benefits and health. So yeah, I just want to plug that in there too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what was one thing you thought you knew but were later wrong about? And this can be related to One Health or just life in general, but we like to ask it to everyone who comes on our podcast. Yeah, so I think for me, I thought I knew all the ways that like One Health can manifest in people's work, but I was kind of wrong about this because I learned about an initiative recently. I forget what group it was, but their way of kind of like touching on One Health was through the arts, which I thought was really interesting and important, especially in terms of like the human aspect of One Health, but learning and leveraging ways to connect with others and that are non-traditional and non-scientific so it's more accessible for people to understand and really connect with and so what they did was so oceans are polluted right um <laughs> so they 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 took what they could from the oceans and used all the plastic bags and straws and stuff of that nature and created art out of it and it was by i think it was like younger students in grade school and so just finding ways for community to do that and uplift One Health is really interesting and something that I haven't really t thought about before and so definitely something that I think is exciting and has lots of potential in reaching like larger audiences but yeah. Yeah yeah I think um, sometimes especially at like a research institution like like research is important don't mm -hmm. get me wrong but we have talked in previous episodes I think how it does have some limitations just like the methods that we have and there's a lot of other ways to like gather knowledge and and learn from communities besides like the the most kind of traditional like epidemiologic studies or something mm -hmm. I'm a little biased because <laughs> I think about epi <laughs> studies a lot but I know they're important but they're not all there is <laughs> all right Sarah what was one thing you thought you knew but were later wrong about I guess to keep it related to the One Health concept, I, upon entering college, I was surprised to see that One Health wasn't already integrated into a lot of our systems, especially like in the US. I feel like a lot of us are raised with an intrinsic appreciation for nature and for animals and so it makes sense to think that these concepts would be considered when tackling problems especially health problems so i feel like that is something that i was surprised by upon coming to college is to to see how much work there is yet to be done for raising awareness for these like systems-based approaches so yeah <laughs> i think i can definitely echo sarah on that and Definitely excited to continue doing that work. That's it for our episode this week. 
Big thanks to Mariana Cota and Sarah King for coming on with us today. This episode was hosted, written, edited, and produced by Anya Morozo. You can learn more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook, and our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, the best thing you can do is share it with your colleagues, friends, or anyone interested in public health. Do you have a suggestion or question or idea for our team? You can reach us at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode was brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Until next week, stay healthy, stay curious, and take care.